Well, we're talking this morning about the angels announcing the good news. And maybe you need good news this morning. You know, for a lot of people, Christmas can be a pretty sentimental time. Uh, we sing chestnuts roasting on an open fire, uh, Jack Frost nipping at our nose. Yeah, it's a little different in San Diego. Uh, I haven't seen chestnuts for sale on the streets here like they have in France, for example. Uh, and Jack Frost, I think, lives in Julian. Um, <laughs> but we do dress like Eskimos anytime it gets below 60 degrees. <laughs> but Christmas is nostalgic uh, for a lot of people. But if those are the only things we think about, uh, we're missing the point of Christmas. Initially, uh, the passage that we're going to look at this morning, uh, which was actually up on the screen a little bit ago, about the angels and their announcement, <clears throat> is not a comforting message at all. It's actually starting, startling. It's actually a pretty scary message. So let's read it. I'm going to read from the English Standard Version. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is God's word. So at the top of your outline on your, uh, in your worship folder, this very familiar Christmas story has a depth of gospel truth that we can miss unless we look carefully. Rather than bringing fear, which is the appropriate response to the greatness of God, these angels bring good news of great joy. This is a message of joy because the Savior is the one who brings the loving message of peace and acceptance from God himself. We should never cease to be awestruck by the redemptive story as it is revealed in Scripture. So in verse 8, uh, you see, and I hope you have your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. And if you have your phones, put it, look at it on your phones. But in, in verse 8, you see the shepherds out in the field in the dark, perfectly calm, uh, keeping watch. And then it says in verse 9, the angel of the Lord. And then you see in verse 13, other angels, a heavenly host, uh, represent the awesome power of heaven that's gathered for this special announcement. But as soon as God's light comes upon the shepherds, what happens? 
They are terrified. They're okay in the dark. But look at the end of verse 9. It says they were filled with great fear when they get into God's light. You know, it's not unusual in ancient languages uh, to repeat a word in order to emphasize it. And the Greek word for fear is phobios. Like we get phobia from it. In the Greek, the literal words that it says are phobio, phobos. Literally, they were afraid, afraid. It's translated great fear. One of the main themes of the Bible is that men and women love darkness. John chapter 3 verse 19 says that God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light. That's why the glory light of Christmas is not calming. It's not soothing. The angel knows that it's terrifying for the shepherds because the first thing the angel says responding to the condition of the shepherds who obviously were showing fear in verse 10 is fear not, behold. And what is it that we're supposed to behold? Look at verse 10. Again, the good news of great joy. And the angel is saying, you don't have to be afraid if you grasp the message of Christmas. If you grasp this message that I'm telling you. In other words, the angel is saying, if you behold the truth that I'm going to give you about Christmas, then you don't have to fear. To behold means to gaze at, to contemplate, to to pay attention to. That's what we're called to do with the Christmas story, to gaze at it, to contemplate it, to pay attention to it. All humans live with fear, all of us live with fear on some level. Uh, It's just that when we get close to God, the fear is revealed, but it's always there. It's almost like a bridge that has uh, these stress fractures And you can't see them, but a a very overloaded 18-wheeler goes across it and puts pressure on it, and the stress fractures get bigger and easier to see. In the same way, the Bible says that we all live in fear. And often, when we get near to God, when we get near to His truth, the fear is revealed. The message of Christmas is, if you behold what the angel says, you can put fear behind you for good. The message of the angels is that if you're afraid of anything, then you're not beholding. Fear not, for behold. In other words, these two things, fearing and beholding, are mutually exclusive. If you're fearful, you're not beholding. Because if you're beholding, you won't be afraid. You won't have fear. 
And so it's the message of Christmas that we're supposed to behold. And in verses eight and nine, we have what that message is. And the first thing is that we must recognize, we've got to recognize it, that we live in fear. It's like Adam and Eve living in the light of God's beauty in the Garden of Eden. But then one day it tells us in Genesis 3, they decide, Adam and Eve decide to do what they want to do. And that doesn't go so well for them. And then when God's glory comes back to them in the garden, they hide. And they were filled with fear. And they thought they could hide from God. But they couldn't hide from God. And so the shepherds are just a picture of the way we all are. Fear is hiding. That's what Adam and Eve did. They hid. And we think we're safe because we have friends. Or because we have family, a great family. Or we have a decent job. We have savings in the bank. We have good looks. Whatever it is, we think we're safe because of those things. But the Bible says we're hiding and we know that it's possible to lose our job or that family members pass away or that friends might somehow see us for who we really are. And so we have this fear of rejection. Or we have a fear of failure. Or we have a fear of the future because we don't know for sure what the future holds. Now, the Bible teaches that the root of all our fears is not trusting God. The reality is that when we genuinely get near to God, we have a response like Peter did in Luke chapter 5, when Peter says, depart from me, Lord, because I am a sinful man. And the Bible says we're all sinful. The Bible says we are all separated from God. And when we get near to God, we have that same response that Peter had. Depart from me, Lord, because I am sinful. So what's the solution? Well, there are two truths that this passage talks about that we need to behold, that we need to get a hold of in our own lives. And both of them are in verse 11. Look at verse 11. It starts out, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. And so the first truth that we see in this passage is that we have a savior who came to earth. Why did God have to become a man? Because it, 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 we ha he had to live a perfect life on our behalf so that he could take onto himself the punishment that we deserved. He could take that onto himself. And if we receive him as our savior, all of his perfect life and all of his perfect work that he did for us on the cross is transferred to us and God accepts us for Jesus' sake. You might do something really stupid. In fact, I think most of us are there. We've done something really stupid. And at that moment... When we're at our lowest, when we've done something that we're ashamed of, when we're done, we've done something that we're sad about, at that moment, God says, I love you. 
And if you were the only person on the face of this earth, I would have sent Jesus to die for you while you were yet a sinner. God sent Jesus to die for us. Even when we're at the lowest point, when we're at the worst that we've ever been, that's when he loves us the most. The second part of the solution in verse 11 is for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And so that's the second truth in the verse. Jesus isn't just born a Savior. He's born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And to understand the message of Christmas means that we need to understand that Jesus is not just the Savior, but he's the Lord. If we think that we can get to heaven on the ticket because we've prayed a prayer, that's not correct thinking. That's not what the Bible teaches. I love the way Augustine put it. He said, Jesus Christ is not valued at all until he is valued above all. We should never call him Lord if we're not willing to bow to his claims over us. That means we need to be obedient to what he asks us to do. How do we know how to be obedient to what he asks us to do? We have to know the word of God. We have to be in the word of God. We hear the word of God preached. That's what Romans says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But we have a responsibility ourselves to meditate and to, to memorize and to study the Bible and to read it on our own. To say you believe apart from true obedience is worthless. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And so you want the peace of God, you must give God glory. That's what it says in verse 14. <clears throat> glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. The peace referred to there is the peace that only the Messiah can bring. It's not the absence of conflict. That's not what he's talking about here. But it's peace between sinful humanity and our holy God. So let me ask you, do you have peace? Do you have the peace of God? If you don't, then you're failing to give God glory. You're failing to glorify God the Son. You're failing to glorify Jesus as Lord. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And so will you do it now on your own or will you be forced to do it? One theologian defined God's glory as his aboveness, his beyondness, his otherness. In other words, his weight his significance, his honor should count more than our honor. To honor Christ as king means that, that he's number one, that his goals for me, and again, I know those through the word, are greater than my goals for myself. They're weightier than my goals for myself. And the only way to know the peace of God is to have peace with God. 
Paul writes, we only have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, but the name of Jesus. And so, for example, you're worried about the future. It's because you're failing to give weight to God's wisdom. You're saying, Lord, I know what's best for me. I don't think you do. Because this happened in my life, and why did this happen? I can't explain it. Tell me why this happened. That's not what a servant says to his master. That means you're giving more weight to your wisdom than you are to God's wisdom. Or if you're afraid of rejection, you're giving more weight to what other people think of you than what God thinks of you. Like it says back in verse 10, the message of Christmas is a message of great joy. And when you follow Jesus, there is great joy because you know that God is in complete control, that he's sovereign. And your knowledge of that will give you joy. Do you know that joy? Nehemiah said that the joy of the Lord is his strength. And so the first and most important way to honor Jesus as king is to receive him. That's why he came. You know, if, if Pastor Nathan gave me a Christmas gift and I said, wow, thank you so much, Nathan. Let me Venmo you. How much did it cost? <laughs> you know, that's like a slap in the face. That's not why we give gifts. Because we pay for them. That's not, it, it's not the idea. But you know what? That's exactly what we do to God. Because God says, here's this free gift of salvation I'm giving you. What do you have to do to earn it? There is nothing you can do to earn it. All you do is receive the gift. You say thank you and, and, and that motivates you to live for him. But it's not that we go to God then and say, well, God, look at all the things I've done for you. Look, I, I've, I've never missed church. I've, I, I do this and I do that and I've, I've taught young kids, whatever it is. And God says, no, that's, that's all of our righteousnesses are like filthy rags, it says. And so what do we offer God? Well, we, we, we offer our lives back to him and worship for, to him. That's our reasonable service of worship. But our motivation is that we love God and we're doing it for him. The, the way to know the joy of God is to become a child of God by faith. John 1.12 says, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. And so how do you become a child of God? By receiving the gift. And I know that many of you have received the gift. And so what do we do? We say, thank you, God. Here's my life, I can give you my, I could give you a hundred lives. It would never repay God for what he has given you. But I give you all that I have. It's yours, everything. My life, my, my family, my, all my possessions, they're all yours. And so we receive him. And we receive him as Lord. That means we, we make sure that he is in control of every area of our life because he's the Lord. 
Please spend some time meditating on that today because that is God's word for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, for all of us here, will you point out areas in our lives where we need to yield our lives to your lordship? And maybe there are some here this morning who maybe think that they've, because they've prayed a prayer, they're gonna go to heaven, but they need to, to mean this in their hearts because that's what you see. You see our hearts. And so if you're not sure if you know Jesus, if you're not sure that you would go to heaven, please pray this prayer with me. But know that God sees your heart. He does not hear your words. He sees your heart. And if your heart means the words that you say, And so, Lord, for far too long, I've kept you out of my life. I know that I am a sinner and that I cannot save myself. And by faith, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I am ready to trust you as my Lord and Savior. I believe you are God, the Son, who died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead on the third day. Thank you for bearing my sins and giving me the gift of eternal life. I believe your words are true. Come into my life. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my Savior and my Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I know that you've been blessed by being here this morning, so I hope that you'll go home and call up a friend and invite them and come back this evening for the same thing, a double blessing for today. So now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and rat- who is the great shepherd of the sheep and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a great day. Merry Christmas.